On um, Thursday night, some of us were looking into Second uh, Peter chapter one, and um, I'm going to use Peter's words to kind of kick off this message this morning. And uh, he gives a lot of truths to the believers, scattered believers, and um, truths that they knew well, truths that they kind of were fundamental. Foundational. And then uh, down the passage of it, he continues and he says, I want to stir up your minds by way of reminder. In other words, I know you know these truths well, but I want to refresh, I want to uh, have your minds kicking in and thinking about some of these truths again and again because they shouldn't leave you. Well, I'm a little bit like that this morning. I want to stir up your minds aware of remembrance. Several reasons I say that because the passage that I'm going to look at is well known to you all. You've read it, you've heard it, you've heard it preached on numbers of times. And, um, and secondly, it's a, it's a passage that Chad preached on when he was here in uh, November last year. It's also a passage that I preached through when I was going through Second Timothy. So, um, I do trust that your minds will be stirred up by way of remembrance this morning as we look into this passage. So, if you have your Bibles, turn to Second uh, Timothy and we'll look at chapter 4 and we'll read the first five verses. So, Second Timothy chapter 4, commencing at verse 1. These are the words of the Apostle Paul to his protege, younger pastor in the faith at Ephesus. And he says, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Repute, reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. Verse 3, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. We'll read verse 5. But you, that is Timothy, Paul addresses, you be sober in all things, endure hardship and do the work of an evangelist, fulfil your ministry. Well, this morning is an important occasion, as you will know, for New Community Church. Firstly, it's a joyful occasion where we welcome Chad and Beth and their family into our forever family. I see he's already picked up on that expression. Thanks to Steve for kind of inventing it. Well, he never invented it, but he kind of yeah, brought it in. But my message this morning is designed to weigh heavily on both Chad and ourselves, Chad being our new pastor, teacher, and ourselves here as believers that make up the flock at New Community Church. So this message is for all of us. And so this is what Paul had in mind when he wrote the second letter to Timothy, by the way. As you know, and as you remember, Paul's time was up when he wrote this letter. He knew that his execution was just around the corner. 
and he wanted to pass on some final words as he was inspired by the Spirit of God to write them. He wanted to pass on these words of counsel to his younger protege and son in the faith as a pastor at the church of Ephesus. And as you know, Paul was under the pump. He was kind of facing some difficulties and he had his own character to deal with. He was timid and, and maybe a little bit fearful of things. And so Paul does what an older saint and an apostle does. He counsels him. You see, Paul had just finished warning Timothy in chapter 3. He had finished warning him of the difficult days ahead and, and how that the God-breathed scriptures, the word of God, was totally adequate amidst all the difficulties and that they were designed to equip the man of God for every good work. He just finished telling Timothy this in chapter 3. And so in chapter 3, it's all about the, the pastor's need to live by the book, the holy word, the scriptures. In other words, the pastor's life must be a testimony of one obeying the word of God. You cannot say one thing from the pulpit and practice another in every day life. But now in chapter 4, as we have begun reading, he now shifts his counsel from living by the book to be the man of God who preaches that book, declares it, makes it known, explains it. Paul has just told Timothy what the scriptures are. And now he charges Timothy what he is to do with the scriptures. And so this is a very serious charge given to Timothy, folks, as Paul wrote these words so long ago. It's also a weighty charge for Chad this morning and every believer and every pastor teacher to bear. And this morning on behalf of the elders of NCC, I bring this charge to you, Chad Colley, as you begin shepherding the flock here of New Community Church. It needs to be your priority function above all else in your pastoral ministry here at New Community Church. And we, the sheep of the flock, need to understand that our new pastor, he may not cross every T or dot every I in our list of expectations. Just like I and myself in bygone years have not crossed every T and dotted every I according to your expectations. But one thing he or any elder shepherd of God's flock must and needs do for the spiritual health of the whole assembly is this. He is to preach the word. I've made mention of this before. When I was appointed pastor of this church over 15 years ago, our brother, Dr. Stan Toussaint from America, who has gone to be with the Lord now, he said, Jeff, whatever you do at New Community Church, you make sure you preach the word. And then just to make sure I got it and it resonated <coughs> well within my heart and soul, he said, Jeff, preach the word, preach the word and love the people. I've never forgotten that way you charged with Dr. Ted Stan Tuesday so long ago. 
Well, in our text here this morning, Paul gives a final charge, a commission to Timothy. As Paul's days were numbered, his execution was imminent. I do have my execution, it's not imminent. <laughs> execution around the corner. But um, I feel a little bit, can I say, a little, little bit like Paul who was passing the baton on to a younger man who I know will obey the word of God. And so Paul hands over the ministry to his younger friend and his understudy. And inspired by the Spirit of God, Paul realised and knew that Satan would relentlessly attack God's word. So this charge, this commission was only to Timothy. And so having just emphasised the trustworthiness of the nature of the word and its vital importance in verses 16 and 17 of chapter 3, he now charges Timothy and by extension, can I say, to Chad here this morning to preach the word in spite of the opposition he will come across. But as you know, preaching the word is a two-way street, right? No good Chad sitting up here in the pulpit preaching to a whole lot of empty chairs. Praise God, the saints come and hear the preached word. So it's a two-way street. And so this charge does not apply to Chad only this morning. This is also a solemn charge to all of us believers to welcome and submit and obey the commands and instructions of God's word through biblical preaching. So to understand something of the solemnity of this charge that Paul brings here and that I bring to Chad this morning, Let's just go through this and look at verse 1. And first of all, we'll have a look at the weightiness of the charge. The weightiness of the charge. Yes, so receiving a charge is, is another word for being commissioned or appointed to, to serve in a particular field of work. Some of you may remember when you received a charge or, or, or words of counsel, maybe when you graduated, or, or maybe when you became of age and left home, or, or maybe when you reached 18 or 21, and some dignitary, maybe your parents or professor or the, or the vice reads of the college or went to, gave you those important words. But here, Paul's charge has the idea, something more than that, has the idea of, of reaching across to effectively deliver God's witness or his testimony, his counsel, without wavering or compromise. So he, Paul reached across to Timothy and counsels him and charges him to keep on keeping on. And so Paul reaches across to Timothy and like extension again to Chad this morning all here as believers and delivers God's instruction and the priority ministry of the pastor. So Paul puts this charge in Timothy, but before he gives this charge, before he gives this charge, before he calls Timothy, Timothy to do this very important thing, he wants to make sure that Timothy really gets it. Okay? He wants to make sure he really gets it and sinks in. He wants to deeply impress upon Timothy how serious this is, the charge that he's giving him. 
Over the years I've had a couple of these kind of commissionings or charges put to me. As a graduate and beginning here at NCC as a couple. And what you do is you tend to hang on every word that's spoken. You do this because not only is it a, a responsible and a weighty matter that you're taking up, but usually addressing you as a person who is of some repute and who deserves your respect and at least a listening ear. And so this is who Paul was to Timothy. You know the relationship with Paul and Timothy, right? It was, Timothy was one of the Lord, no doubt, by Paul's ministry, and so they had some experience together, and, and so Timothy would have had a high regard and respect for the Apostle Paul. And so Paul's words would have had a profound effect on Timothy simply because of who he was. He was an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. Read that in verse 1. But Paul, can we say, the super apostle, the church planter, the soul winner par excellence, was not out to impress Timothy with his own words. He wasn't out to impress Timothy with his own words. You see, the Lord through Paul wanted Timothy and what's Chad here this morning to see the seriousness of this charge because of who and what is really behind it. Notice how he does this in verse 1. What he does is he gives five qualifying aspects to the weightiness of the charge. And the first one is he said, I've solemnly charged I solemnly charge you. This is his five words here. And even in our English, this kind of grabs our attention, right? Makes us sit up and listen where it should be. And no doubt Timothy, upon reading this, would say, What? I thought the counsel that you gave me in chapter 3 about fellowship and, and or following your teaching and, and continuing the things that I've learned, I thought they were serious and solemn enough. But now you're moving up here. There's more. Perhaps Timothy could have asked something like that. It's not what it's not that Paul what Paul said in chapter three was kind of down the scale or less important or light and trivial, and now he's going to get serious. No, it wasn't like that at all. Paul kind of says here, you think it was solemn a solemn matter in telling you to follow me in suffering when I warned you about false teachers and how they would wreak havoc in the church. You thought that was a solemn matter. Well, I was solemn and I was serious, deadly serious, but now I'm going to get intensely serious. So listen up. And so he presses on Timothy the significance of what he's doing by reminding him of the weightiness and solemnity of this divine charge. But he doesn't stop there. He doesn't stop there. He then says, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God. You see that? In the presence of God. You see, Paul's own words and solemnity was, was not enough. Paul saw the need to add some real indisputable weight to this charge that he was bringing Timothy. Timothy and every pastor need to understand that it's not some high-powered earthly official or dignitary or even a church board or a group of elders that the pastor stands primarily 
up against or account, is accountable to. It's not them. It's as if Paul takes Timothy into the very courtroom of heaven here, folks. He takes Paul into the very courtroom of heaven and then calls on God to be a witness to the charge that he brings to Timothy. Now that's serious, right? That's waiting. You see, Timothy and all who teach God's word and all, can I say, who sit under the teaching of God's word need to see that the one who sits on the judge, judge's bench, is God himself. The maker of heaven and earth, the Almighty. Paul was saying, this is the one who's watching and witnessing this charge being put to you, Timothy. And likewise today, as our brother Chad told him, God is watching. It's God who's watching your response to this divinely sanctioned charge. How vital this waiting charge is for us to recognise folks. Both pastors and, and those who make up the flock, this is, this is solemnity at its highest level. We're all under the scrutiny of the majestic and awesome God. And that cannot and dare not be taken lightly. This is the one who preachers and pastors and elders and saints alike are accountable to. But Paul's not finished yet. He keeps on going. And that's what he says next. He says, I solemnly charge you in the presence of Christ Jesus. You see that? You see, Paul calls on Timothy to swear allegiance to this particular task that he's involved in, to this duty under the watchful gaze of his Redeemer. You see, folks, it's one thing to have people give witness to your promises to understand that, that what God has designed for you. Just like at our wedding ceremonies, those who are married, we have witnesses that sign our declaration of intent and our promises of love, etc., to death do us part. And it's all witnesses that sign and we have people and we stand before God. But it's another thing altogether when our witness is not people, our primary witness is not people, but none other than the eternal Son of God. Another thing altogether. Our Redeemer who gave his life so that we might have eternal life. <laughs> Apostle Paul was a secondary witness to Timothy's charge even when he sent him this letter. was a secondary witness. And we hear this morning a mere secondary witness to this charge that has been put to Chad this morning. It's the Lord of glory, our Redeemer, to whom Chad and we all are primarily accountable to. You see, Timothy's job, as for every pastor teacher, is to preach the word. To preach the word without compromise, for we are personally and directly, directly accountable to who? Accountable to Jesus Christ. And so we better make sure we get it right. See, to preach God's word of salvation was brought about by Jesus Christ alone through faith alone according to God's word alone. That's what must take place. And Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, what I'm about to charge you with, I want you to understand this, that the Lord Jesus, your Redeemer, he's watching as I deliver this charge to you and he's watching to see what you do with it. But then Paul carries on. 
He says a fourth thing. He says, I solemnly charge you in the presence of Christ Jesus, who is the judge, who is to judge the living and the dead. Paul kind of gets really up close and personal here, I believe. In other words, Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, I want you to remember something about your Redeemer. He's not only your Saviour. He not only died to free you from sin and the just deserts of sin, but he's coming to judge the living and the dead. Get that, Timothy. The focus here is on the Lord's judgment of believers, every single believer. All of us here who have trusted Jesus Christ, one day we will stand before the risen Lord. Every believer will one day appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may be recompensed for the deeds done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. 2 Corinthians 5.10 so Paul is saying here, Timothy, I don't want you to ever forget that the Lord Jesus Christ, who is watching you and, and, and watching how you respond to this charge, is also a coming judge, your coming judge, as to the faithfulness of your service before the Lord. See, folks, because of this profound and weighty responsibility placed upon Chad and, and the pastor who preaches the word, God says to us through the Apostle James, through James, he says this in James chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, <coughs> Let not many of you become teachers, knowing that you will incur a strict judgment. In other words, don't rush in you want to teach the Lord's people unless you're really called to that because you will incur a strict in other words you will be under a greater watchful eye of the Lord this weighty charge witnessed by Christ Jesus the judge of the living dead and the dead demands the pastor's obedient and solemn response but can I say here as I've said before it also demands us all to be in much prayer for our pastor and the elders and shepherd the flock, right? We have that responsibility. It demands us of that. Much in prayer that the man of God will be faithful in his preparation and in the preaching of the word of God amongst us. We need to see that as our duty and our responsibility and our joy. The last emphasis that Paul uses to lay up his charges is is this, and it's still found in verse 1. He says, I solemnly charge you by the appearing and his kingdom. And you will know how some people swear on certain things, right? I swear to do this, I swear to do that. If you go to court, you will give them the opportunity if you're a witness. I trust never on a charge. You have the opportunity to swear on the Bible. You also may have heard people say something like this at the beginning of the same statement. Well, to tell you the truth, and then they go on. Always laugh at that. Christians should tell the truth anyway. We shouldn't have to qualify the statement. <laughs> well, saying something like that supposedly adds a, a note of integrity to the statement that's about to be out They kind of wish to clinch their statement with serious truth. 
as believers, which uh, yes is to be yes and our no is to be no. But we kind of get caught up with the, with the language. But here Paul adds further weight to his divine charge to Timothy. He does this. He does this, I believe, in order to solidly, solidly clinch Timothy's God-appointed position. He encourages and reminds, reminds Timothy of, of an event that every gospel preacher longs for, or they should long for. That is the, this is the great hope of the believer. It's the coming of Jesus Christ. This is the grand finale. This is the, this is the deal clincher, can I say. Paul speaks in more detail of this in verse 8 of that same chapter we've read. He says this, In the future there is laid out for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award, award me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing, or his epiphania. He's coming. And folks, Timothy loved and clung and built his whole life around this great and wonderful truth, as did the Apostle Paul, and as does every faithful believer, or we all should. The Lord is coming again. And Timothy would not dare despise and slight this coming future event. This is when the Lord will rapture his church, the bride, home and, and set about putting everything that's wrong on the world, setting it right. This is, this is all going to happen. This is when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. We see in Philippians 2 verse 11. That'll be saved and unsaved. Praise the Lord that the opportunity to do it now in his dad grace, right? bowing a heart and a knee and trusting Jesus Christ as Savior. And if you haven't done that personally, if you haven't trusted Jesus Christ personally and bowed your heart, bowed the knee before him and says, Lord, I'm a sinner. Save me. Forgive me. You better do business with God right now. Where you sit in your seat. Because you need to be saved. Because if you don't, and the Lord comes, you still will bow the knee in the coming day, but you will see him as a judge, and you'll be cast into hell because you are an unrepentant sinner. So this is the hope of all believers, amen? The Lord is coming. And this is the hope that needs to clinch Chad's call to the ministry, and also our obedience to the preached word. Why? Why is that? Because Jesus Christ is coming again. Are you ready for that? Are you ready? Secondly, in verse 2, we see the ingredients of the charge. The ingredients of the charge. Here we see that Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, keep on heralding, publicly told forth the whole counsel of God. Keep on proclaiming this divinely appointed message. Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. There it is. This is what he's to do. This is the ingredients of the charge that's so solemn and so important for Chad and for every single believer who belongs to this church. His telling Timothy here, Paul, is what his prime calling and mission on earth is 
and Paul punches out five commands or imperatives in this little verse. Notice them. He says, preach, be ready, reprove, rebuke, exhort. All of them are hinged on this one central charge of preach the word. They're hinged on that. Timothy, in other words, is a above all else, is to publicly proclaim the divinely authorised message, God's message to man. <laughs> Timothy was not to be daunted, daunted by his own timidity. As I said before, Timothy was, he seems to have a bit of a flaw there. He was a timid man, right? He was shy, or, or maybe he, he backed off when the pressure came. He was not to be daunted by that. He wasn't to be threatened by that. <coughs> And so when these false teachers came with all their flowery and flash words that maybe have seemed humanly, logically reasonable, he wasn't to be daunted or intimidated by that, by the many false teachers. In spite of all the threat in his ministry to preach the word and to muffle his preaching, Timothy was to continually, faithfully preach the word. This task of preaching was not to be taken lightly. He was to be ready for it, we see there. He was to be ready for it. This means that he was to be prepared and in readiness, no matter what. No matter what. He was to be ready and prepared by understanding the word for a start. He must be a man of God who disciplines himself and, and, he, and he, he pours hours and hours and hours every week into studying the scriptures and digging deep he must be ready for it by understanding the word. The ready here means to be on guard for whoever and whatever he may be confronted with. And Chad, I know, will be confronted with heaps of stuff that will try to muffle him preaching the word. And so Paul says, Timothy, you stick to your guns. You just preach the word. Like Paul, who faced and, and was warned of danger in Jerusalem. You remember it? Paul was coming back to Jerusalem and um, his life was really threatened here and, uh, and his pleading brethren, his own brethren who loved him dearly. It's, it's, when he came to Caesarea, which was on the coast before he went up the hill to Jerusalem, they said, they pleaded with him not to go, not to go, not to go. Don't go up there. Your life is in danger. What does Paul say? What are you doing? This is what he says in Acts 21, 30. What are you doing? Weeping and breaking my heart. I love that. What are you doing, weeping and breaking my heart? For I am, here's the word, I am ready not only to be in prison, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Don't you love that man? Timothy and Chad and every pastor needs to be ready to preach the word, no matter what the cultural or political climate may be at any given time. We also see that in this proclamation, the pastor is to reprove and rebuke. That is, he is to warn people of God's wrath and judgment against their sin and against the errors of this world. And there are stacks of them, as you all know. He is to speak to our conscience. The pastor is to, is to dig deep and he is to speak to our conscience. And he is to aim for conviction with a view of our repentance. He is to remind us of the consequences of sin and, and not to treat sinfulness in our lives with kid gloves, and he's not to tone down simple actions that we see so often happen today. Sad to say. 
People can get real uncomfortable when this is done their own. When you confront people with their sins and say, hey, you're coming down the wrong road. This is not right. This is against the word of God. People get really uncomfortable. And they call their names and they call their judgmental, legalistic, whatever, whatever. Often people want to hear the positive. That's what they want to hear. They only want to hear the positive. And I might say, by the way, it's so easy to focus on the positive all the time, or most of the time. And to leave things like sin and its consequences out, it's so easy. That's why you need to pray for the pastor. But dear people, the pastor who takes seriously his divine calling will point out both the positive and the negative. He will point out God's righteous standard for living and also sin and its dire consequences. A faithful pastor who preaches the word will reprove and rebuke when needed. Then he goes on and says, you are to exhort or admonish them. This word is, this Greek word is from the idea of, of, of coming alongside. Okay, coming alongside. And, and here it also carries the idea of giving encouragement. And the following words indicate this. Admonish them, it says, admonish them, what with? With great patience and instruction. So it's a coming alongside, yes, admonish them. But with great patience and instruction. In other words, a faithful pastor who has reproved and rebuked will follow this up and show a tenderness by coming alongside whoever he admonishes, what for? To encourage them in the faith. They will do this with great patience by instructing them where? From his own worldly wisdom or from some counseling school that he may be in and from the Word of God. From the Word of God. In other words, we all need to be reproved and rebuked for the wrong things. But my word, we also need to be patient and encouraged in the right things. Amen? That's what a godly pastor will do, folks, as he preaches the word. Now you might say, yeah, so what? So what? You're right. I agree with you. A lot of pastors out there need this. Chad may well need this. But what on earth has it got to do with me? This is what you're thinking, even in the slightest way. Let me remind you, there's a whole lot to do with you. For example, if Paul is telling Timothy what a faithful shepherd must do for God's people, then it stands to reason that God's people must need what Paul calls Timothy and every part of the living, right? In other words, if Paul is saying to Timothy, Timothy, in order for you to be a faithful minister of the gospel, you must preach the word, then it must mean that the people of God need to hear and obey the preached word. Folks, this charge to church this morning demands your attentive and prayerful ears at the very least. Your prayers need to be upon hearing this solemn message, something like this. Lord, if you are telling Chad what he must do in our church, then you're also telling me that I need to hear and obey your priesthood. So Lord, grant me ears to hear and a heart to obey the priest word, even if it hurts, even if and when it costs me. That needs to be your prayer this morning. 
See, folks, this pastoral charge has a whole lot to do with us all. May the Lord continue to raise up faithful preachers and teachers in a day where there is a famine of this kind of preaching, an absolute famine in this land and generally right throughout the West as far as I know. A famine of pastors who will preach the word. And closingly, I have the last couple of verses. In verses 3 and 4, we see the backdrop of this charge. What, why, what was so important in the day and age where of, of when Timothy, when Paul gave this charge to Timothy? So it's um, it's a given, right? It's really a given. Uh, we may ask, you know, why is this needed then in 2019? Well, it's all to do with the context or the backdrop of this charge. It's urgent because of the cultural context of what was and falls of Timothy's day and still is even happening in our day. Some things never change. Some things never change. And so Paul says to Timothy, you need to keep on preaching God's message. You need to keep on preaching the truth because a time is coming when people will prefer myths and traditions rather than truth. That's what he says. This is when sound doctrine will be out the door and considered as divisive. That's what was happening in Paul's day. Kind of rings a bell, right? I've had it said in my ears, why it's so divisive. So we'll just back off on that truth. And so Paul is giving the reason why it's so urgent for Timothy and every pastor, shepherd, to be diligent in his work. So he says, there's going to come a time, Timothy, when they will not listen to you. There's going to come a time when people only want their ears tickled. Tickled with positive, feel-good messages rather than the whole convicting counsel of God as we have in the Scriptures. There's going to come a time, Timothy. There's going to come a time when charlatan gospel celebrities will be will be flocked after, rather than God's men who preach the word will be sought out. There's going to come that time, Timothy. And Paul was speaking to Timothy, not looking as if there's going to be a way a couple of thousand years ahead. He was speaking of his time. So in this time, of course, when these false gospels are preached, these pure messages, they will have a form of godliness, as we see in chapter 3 and verse 5, as we went back. There will be a form of godliness, but it will be a counterfeit gospel. And that gospel has no transforming power. It may be attractive and appealing to a flesh, but as a result it will turn away their ears from the sound from the sound truth. I have known and I've seen and I've experienced people when they come under some good solid preaching and maybe if they've been in a church where their ears are being tickled and it's all positive rah 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 and they come under some sound of the preaching what was that? It kind of doesn't even go in one ear and out the other it doesn't even go in one ear it's so foreign to them and that's what happens when you're fed on fluff and bubble for so long when you come to hear the truth preached the word preached it doesn't resonate at all This is why it is urgent and vital for Timothy to preach the word. The same Lord is saying today to Chad Coley, Chad Coley, the flock that I have entrusted to you is always in danger of being seduced by such fluff and bubble. So Chad, 
the Lord is saying, you preach my word. This danger, folks, is right at our doorstep. It's right at our doorstep. You only have to go to a Christian bookshop, the only Christian bookshop that's kind of known. And there's everything there, right? From good to bad to the ugly. It's rampant in many churches. Worship services where the Word of God takes a back seat, if any at all. Sermons that are, are humanly motivational but completely bypass the intent of the inspired text of Scripture and its meaning. And some of us will know of churches, even in our own fair city, the city of churches, that once preached the Word but now have given way to liberalism and pragmatism and feel-good sermonettes in order to fill the pews. And in doing so, the gospel, the true gospel of God is completely lost. And people go on just by thinking and attending the church that they're Christians. And they're not. They're in danger of hell because they're unsaved. Folks, we here at NCC are not exempt from the inroads of such counterfeit gospels. We're not exempt. It's knocking at our doors, individually and as a church. My dear people, how we need to specifically pray that Chad and the elders of this church will continue to preach the word. And that we all might hunger for the preached word in order to be transformed by the power of the preached word. Amen? We want to be changed. We want to be changed. We need to be changed. It comes through the word of God as it is preached. Father in heaven, we bow before you this morning and Lord, Thank you for the word of God, your word. Oh, Father, we ask that you would bless it amongst us, to every single one of us, from the youngest child to the oldest saint. Lord, we need to be transformed, and may your word be soundly preached, and may you bless us each one, and bring people to Christ through the word that is preached in this place. We ask for blessing upon us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.